Good morning, friends. Today's message uh, comes to you from North Richland Hills, Texas. Uh, Kind of a roundabout way to get down to Angola Prison in the next week or so. Today's message I'm going to title, How to Thrive at 85. It's based on Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 14. Someone has said that old age is when you've got it all together, but you can't remember where you put it. With that being said, let's talk today about Caleb, an old man who had it all together and knew where he put it. In the Bible, some men stand out above others. Moses outshines Joshua, yet Joshua, not Moses, conquers the promised land. Joshua outshines Caleb, yet Caleb, not Joshua, defeats the giants. Six times we're told that Caleb wholeheartedly followed the Lord. He was a mighty warrior for God. I want to begin by reading our text from Joshua 14, 6 through 14. You know what the Lord said to Moses, the man of God at Kadesh Barnea, about you and me. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to explore the land. And I brought him back a report according to my convictions. But my fellow Israelites who went up with me made the hearts of the people melt in fear. I, however, followed the Lord, my God, wholeheartedly. So on that day Moses swore to me, The land on which your feet have walked will be your inheritance and that of your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God wholeheartedly. Now then, just as the Lord promised, he has kept me alive for forty-five years since the time he said this to Moses, while Israel moved about in the wilderness. So here I am today, eighty-five years old. I am still as strong today as the day Moses sent me out. I'm still as vigorous to go out to battle now as I was then. Now give me this hill country that the Lord promised me that day. You yourself heard then that the Anakites were there and their cities were large and fortified. But the Lord helping me, I will drive them out just as he said. Then Joshua blessed Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and gave him Hebron as his inheritance. Hebron has belonged to Caleb, son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, ever since, because he followed the Lord, the God of Israel, wholeheartedly. Now we need to stop and ask ourselves, what happened at Kadesh Barnea? Well, most of us know the answer because this is one of the most famous stories in the Bible. Moses sent out twelve spies, one from each tribe, to scout out the promised land. After forty days, the men came back with good news and bad news. The spies reported that the land was flowing with milk and honey. They brought back grapes and pomegranates so the people could sample them. So it seems that the promised land lived up to its name. It was worth the long trek through the wilderness. That was the good news. But the bad news was much worse. The cities were filled with hostile Canaanites who lived behind walls that seemed to stretch to heaven. Furthermore, there were giants in the land, a host of physically intimidating bad guys who made the Jews feel like grasshoppers. Ten of the spies concluded that there was no way the Jews could successfully take the land. They would have to find some other place to live because if they invaded Canaan, they would certainly be defeated. But two of the spies disagreed. Joshua and Caleb saw what the others saw, but they also remembered God's promise to go with them and give them victory. Because the people gave in to their fear, they were sentenced to wander for 40 years in the wilderness where the unbelieving generation died off. There are many lessons here, including the obvious one that the majority is not always right. In fact, often the majority is dead wrong. 
In this case, they were not only wrong, all ten of the unbelieving spies ended up dead and never made it to the promised land. While the people were making up their minds, Caleb made this impassioned plea in Numbers chapter 14, verse 9. Do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of this land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Now that phrase, we will devour them, literally reads, they are like bread to us. (laughs) Simply meaning we're going to eat them up. This is how a man of God talks. Caleb saw the same walls and the same giants the ten spies did. It's not as if he's denying their report. He knows it's going to be a tough fight, but Caleb has a big God. He understood that one man plus God equals a majority. It's as if he's saying, strap it on, boys, pick up your swords, grab your helmets, let's go take the land. But because the people gave in to their fears, they wandered around in the desert for 40 years. Slowly, the whole unbelieving generation died off. The only ones left were Joshua and Caleb. So now we fast forward 45 years. After Moses died, Joshua led the new generation across the Jordan. Jericho falls, then Ai, then they conquer the cities to the south, then the north. Now it's time to divide the land and settle in. And here comes Caleb. He's 85 years old now, but he acts like he's 45. This story kind of reminds me of some of those supplement commercials I see on television with Frank Thomas, that former White Sox player, talking about how some pill has given him new energy and stamina. I also like the one set in a restaurant where a young wife is urging her husband to start a workout program. Tim Tebow happens to be sitting in the next booth. He urges the young man to check out his personal training program, whereupon the wife says to her husband, you should do whatever he's doing. Well, we all need whatever supplement Caleb was taking because he was still growing, going strong at 85. He believed, you know, once a Marine, always a Marine. He was ready to fight. I mean, consider what God said about Caleb in Numbers 14:24. My servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly. Now, how would you like that on your resume? God looked at Caleb and said, this man is different. He's not like all the others. He has a different spirit. That's the secret of his life. Now, why did God bless Caleb? I think there are three answers to that question. Reason number one, he believed God when others wouldn't. I mean, peer pressure can be good or bad. It's never easy to go against a crowd, especially when your friends are going in another direction. If the people you know say it can't be done, it's kind of hard to stand up and say, you're wrong. Well, at Kadesh Barnea, it was Joshua and Caleb against the whole nation. I understand why Israel followed the doubters. I'm I'm sure they were persuasive with all their talk of walled cities and giants that made them feel like grasshoppers. I mean, fear is contagious. Who wants to enter a battle thinking there's no way you can win? Besides, how could ten men get it so totally wrong? Who are you going to believe, the ten or the two? It's kind of human nature for people to follow the naysayers. Now, that doesn't make it right, but it helps us understand what happened. If enough people repeat a lie, soon the lie begins to sound like the truth. That's how you get fake news. It sounded perfectly reasonable, and from a purely human point of view, the ten spies are right. The Jews didn't stand a chance on their own. But God had said, I'll go with you, and that changes the odds instantly. If God goes with you, how can you lose? I mean, that's the whole point. Give Caleb the credit. When the whole nation gave in to fear, he and Joshua stood alone. They were right, and the majority was dead wrong. Here's reason number two. He never let go of God's promise. 
Caleb was 40 when Moses sent out the 12 spies to check out the promised land. After the children of Israel made the wrong choice, he heard all of their complaints. I wish we were back in Egypt. I'm so sick of this man and quail. Why are we walking around in circles? Does anybody have GPS or Google Maps? I mean, Moses stinks as a leader. If I were in charge, I'd get this thing organized. Well, just read numbers. The people complained, they moaned, they griped for 40 years. It must have just worn Moses out. And I'm sure Joshua and Caleb got tired of listening to it, too. But now they're in the promised land. Moses is dead. The unbelieving generation is dead. General Joshua has led them to a long string of victories, and the whole land stretches out in front of them. After 45 years, Caleb is an old man now, well past retirement age, but someone forgot to tell him he was too old. So he said, give me the hill country. Now, you ought to ask yourself, why the hill country? Well, when Abraham died, the only land he owned was the sacred burial plant ground at Machpelah in Hebron. He bought it from Ephron the Hittite for 400 shekels of silver. You can read that story in Genesis 23. Abraham purchased the land so that he could bury his wife, Sarah. And over the years, it became the final resting place for many of Israel's founders. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Rebekah, Jacob, Leah, and others. Hebron was in the hands of the pagan Canaanites. And as far as Caleb was concerned, that land belonged to God's people, and he intended to take it back. Now, why did he say, I want that mountain? He said it because he never let go of God's promise, and he never forgot what that land meant. At an age when most men are slowing down, Caleb was just getting started. He put the pedal to the metal, and he wasn't about to ease up. I like a Facebook post I read not long ago. It said, if you're not dead, you're not done. God still has work for you to do. And here's reason number three. He wholeheartedly followed the Lord. This fact explains Caleb's success. Six times in Numbers and Joshua, we are told he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. And one thing I've noticed, great men tend to be simple men, men captured by one big idea. Weak men have divided loyalty so they can never really commit to anything. They're here, they're there, they're everywhere, they're all over the map. But Caleb was a simple man at the core. He believed God. He remembered his promises. And even in his old age, he was ready to claim what God had promised. When others were pulled seven different ways, he wholeheartedly followed the Lord. Now, Caleb didn't consult the daily tracking poll to decide whether he could believe what God said. He didn't stick his finger up up to see which way the wind was blowing. For that matter, he didn't ask his friends what they were going to do. And every day when he got up, he just determined in his heart to follow the Lord. In that sense, he's the exact opposite of the double-minded man that James writes in chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. Tossed back and forth by the winds of popularity and opinion, the double-minded man can never make up his mind about anything. But Caleb was different. If God said, take the land, Caleb said, grab your swords, boys, it's time to go to war. He didn't let anything distract him from doing God's will. So, what really happened back at Kadesh Barnea? Well, ten spies said, look how big those giants are. Caleb said, look how small they are compared to God. Ten cowards said, they're too big for us to fight. Caleb said, they're too big to miss. You know what, friends, we need that same spirit today. We've got a lot of nice people who go along to get along. 
They want to stand for Jesus, but they're worried what others think. They're what some people call summer soldiers and sunshine patriots who disappear when the bullets start flying. If we're going to defeat the giants, someone is going to have to stand up and say, we have the promise of God. Let's get ready to rumble. So let me ask, when are football games won or lost? Well, the answer is pretty obvious. Almost every game is won or lost in the last parts of the fourth quarter. We're down to the last few minutes of the fourth quarter, but the thing is we don't know how much time we have. We don't know if we have five minutes left or three minutes or maybe 30 seconds. That's why we play like our whole life is on the line, because it is. We don't have time to complain. Coaches tell their players to play through the whistle. That's what we must do. We've got to get in the game, play hard and fast, because we know our time is short. And if we do our part, soon enough the game will end and the Lord will tell us the final score. Now, I've been pondering where I am in the race of life. I entered the starting gate nearly 75 years ago. I rounded the turn when I was 21 and started out as a teacher and then 18 years later became a pastor, and I've spent a long time on the backstretch. But sometime in the last few years, I started down the home stretch. I've not yet finished the race or won the prize, and as I come down the home stretch, I'm not sure where the finish line is, except that, well, it's somewhere in front of me. My job is to keep running hard until I cross the finish line. In the ultimate sense, it doesn't matter when that happens, whether today, tomorrow, or even 25 years from now. The precise moment doesn't matter because I can't know it in advance, but what matters is that I find strength in the Lord to play through the whistle and run through the tape. With that in mind, let us resolve, no matter our age or station in life, that we will never release God's promise, never retire from serving God, and never retreat from the enemy. Let's keep going for Jesus with all the strength God gives us. I come back to these words. If you're not dead, you're not done. God still has work for you to do. So let's laugh a lot, encourage each other, and keep serving Jesus. Let's play through the whistle and run through the tape. And may God fill all of us with the Caleb spirit today. Until next time, see the vision, live the mission, and feel the passion.